It is one year on from Turkey's deadliest earthquake. President Erdogan will visit the affected area in the next few hours. The earthquake killed more than 53,000 people in the southeast of the country. Save the Children says that one third of those displaced are still homeless. Aid organisations say substantial rebuilding still needs to be done, with 85% of infrastructure, including schools and hospitals, destroyed in the worst-hit areas. And 12 months after the disaster, debris is still being cleared and many families are still living in tents and containers. Well, our correspondent Anna Foster covered the fallout from the earthquakes at the time, and she joins us now live from southern Turkey a year on. Anna. Nikki, thank you. It's extraordinary to think, isn't it, that even after a year of cleanup efforts, this part of southern Turkey still looks like this. This is Antakya, the old city of Antakya, which was famous for its, its cultural history, its background. People would come here from all over the world and it still looks like this even now. Just let me show you buildings like this one that look unchanged to how they were in the hours after the earthquake. Um, you can see this one in particular, how the, the masonry was just shaken from the side, the windows were taken out. And it says a lot that a year on, buildings like this one still have not been knocked down and cleared away. And the rebuilding has started in small amount, but really nowhere near the amount that people who live here in southern Turkey need. Now, We've talked about the scale and the size of this, the fact that across southern Turkey and northern Syria, more than 56,000 people were killed. But this affected millions and hundreds of thousands of people had to leave this area altogether uh, to try and find somewhere to live. And that has led even now to a lot of residual frustration and anger. I just want to show you these pictures of what was happening here in Antakya in the early hours of the morning because this earthquake happened at 4.17 a.m. a year ago on the 6th of February and people came out. They held their mobile phone torches aloft, but there was also real anger and frustration evident in that protest this morning as well because people are really frustrated at the Turkish government. They blame them for not having carried out a rebuilding process as quick as they would like it to because people are still living, particularly in the winter. And you know, there's mud on the ground. There was freezing fog this morning that's just burned off and families are still living in tents and containers, many of them still displaced with no, no prospect really, no hope at the moment of having homes to move into any time soon. Let's talk to uh, Soraya Ali from Save the Children who joins us live from Amman in Jordan. Um, Soraya, I know you've been producing figures about this and your estimate is that around a third of children who were displaced a year ago still don't have a, a proper home to live in even now. Yes, the last year has been extremely difficult for the millions of people impacted, as you said. You know, 50,000 people killed, 120,000 people injured. In Turkey alone, 2.4 million people displaced. And the data shows that around one third of people and children are still living in temporary settlements. So that's things like tents and containers. And I think that really speaks to the fact that this was not an isolated incident and people are really still trying to piece their lives back together. It's notable, isn't it, that those those tents and containers that you talk about, I remember them being built here a year ago and they were only supposed to be a temporary measure. They were supposed to provide temporary respite in the winter. And now they they really look very permanent, don't they? Yes, and I think it's the fact that, you know, the earthquake didn't just destroy buildings, it destroyed schools, 
hospitals, playgrounds, and children's sense of safety and security were ripped away. You know, we were speaking to an eight-year-old girl in Turkey who said she's still too terrified to be indoors inside a building, even though the containers are just one story, let alone going upstairs or in a multi-story building. And I think that really speaks to the long-term impact that an incident like an earthquake does have on a population. And what about things like education? Because as we were saying there, schools in many places were destroyed and, and children are going to, to makeshift schools often. They're not in proper buildings. They're not always getting the amount of time in a day. Some of them are just having half of the lessons that they should have if they're, they're managing to go to school at all, aren't they? Absolutely. You know, the data from late last year showed that around 30% of households surveyed said that they didn't have access to educational facilities. And of course, many people are living in tents and containers. And this especially impacts those in rural areas with roads that are harder to reach. And I think, you know, the response from from our organization was in the initial days providing food, water, shelter, but long-term it's really about helping to recreate those safe spaces for children to be children and for them to be able to access education which everyone deserves. I just want to talk a little about the situation in, in northern Syria as well because of course children there were already reeling from the impact of more than a decade of war. Many of them were already displaced from their homes. And I know you've done some research, haven't you, on the, the emotional impact that the earthquake had on them? Yes, as you said, the earthquake in Syria impacted people who were already dealing with almost 13 years of conflict, people who were already struggling amid the economic crisis, struggling to get food, water, fuel, and then on top of that, an earthquake. And looking at the data now, we know that around 16 million people in Syria require humanitarian assistance. Now, that's up from around 15 million last year. So it's very clear that the needs are going up. But while the needs are going up, um, other urgent crises are dominating the headlines. And we can see funding is being cut in places like Syria, where it's so desperately needed. You know, the WFP is having to scale back its operations due to a lack of funding. And the international community really needs to not forget about the people impacted in both Turkey and Syria one year on. And, and just briefly remind us, I mean, you were talking there about the about the funding. And I remember, you know, countries around the world pledging funding at the time. What about the rebuilding here and in Syria? We've heard and we saw that anger from people here that it's not happening fast enough. What kind of reconstruction are, are you seeing? I think we're definitely seeing, you know, authorities making a push to try and reconstruct in places like Turkey. Um, and there are more people in containers now than tents. But still, as we said, one in three people and children living in these temporary settlements. This doesn't just change overnight. Although people's interest in the story might have dwindled, it takes a long time for an earthquake and for a community and a nation to rebuild. So we really need the international community to step up and to look at Turkey and Syria again. Of course, nobody can prevent Internet, uh, prevent natural disasters, but we can absolutely and should help to reduce the impacts of these. 
Soraya, thank you for joining us. Soraya Ali from uh, Save the Children, joining us live from Amman in Jordan. And we'll be here in southern Turkey throughout the day, looking at the impact on children, but also on families as well. A year after this earthquake, the fact that they are still experiencing day to day much of the, the danger and the difficulty and the hardship that they were a year ago says a lot, I think, about the, the sheer amount of rebuilding and reconstruction that still needs to happen here. Anna, you can definitely see that from the scene behind you. Thank you very much for joining us live from southern Turkey. And as Anna says, we'll have more from her throughout the day here on BBC News.